Welcome back, everyone, to our new version of Radio Days for 2024. All variety, all the time. We have two features for you today, the first being The Maltese Falcon. This is a 30-minute drama using the original cast with Humphrey Bogart. It's very, very well told and very well done. This was called Frontline Theater during World War II. It's great theater. Our second feature is the Glenn Miller Army Air Force Christmas show, followed by the announcement of his disappearance, which took place in December of 1944. If you've never heard the Glenn Miller Band, you will be impressed. It's definitely one of the best swing and jazz bands you'll ever hear, and they give quite a performance here. Glenn Miller had two bands. He had his own band, the Glenn Miller Band, and he had the Army Air Force Band, which you'll see italicized as the AAF Band. And that's the one that we hear here. Enjoy. It's the Frontline Theater. Today, starring Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, Sidney Greenstreet, and Peter Lorre. And as our extra special guests of honor, Paul Whiteman and his orchestra. This is Ken Niles to welcome you once again to the Frontline Theater. Brought to you men in the armed forces of the United Nations by the Special Service Division of the War Department. This is your theater, and every performance in it is presented especially for you, the men fighting with the United Nations on freedom's front line. Today we present a radio adaptation of the thrilling and fast-moving detective story, The Maltese Falcon. It stars Humphrey Bogart as private detective Sam Spade, Mary Astor as Miss Wonderly, Sidney Greenstreet as Casper Gutman, and Peter Lorre as Joel Cairo. This is the story of the Maltese Falcon and of the people whose lives it touched and seared. It began in San Francisco when a beautiful young woman who identified herself as Miss Wonderly walked into the offices of Spade and Archer, private detectives. Miss Wonderly had just told Sam Spade why she wished to engage detectives when Spade's partner, Miles Archer, entered the office. Oh, excuse me, Sam. No, it's all right, Miles. Come in. Miss Wendley, this is Miles Archer, my partner. How do you do? Oh, I'm pleased to meet you. Miss Wendley's sister ran away from New York with a fellow named Floyd Thursby. They're here in San Francisco. Miss Wendley has seen Thursby and has a date with him tonight. Maybe he'll bring the sister with him. The chances are he won't. Miss Wendley wants us to find the sister, get her away from Thursby, and back home. But I want you to know that he's a dangerous man. I don't think he'd stop at anything. I don't believe he'd hesitate to kill Corinne, my sister, if he thought it would save him. Uh-huh. What time is he coming to see you, Miss Wonderly? After 8 o'clock. All right, Miss Wonderly, we'll have a man there. Oh, I'll look after it myself. Thank you, Mr. Archer. Will uh, $200 be enough for a retainer? Well, plenty. Oh, it'll help if you meet Thursby in your hotel lobby, Miss Wonderly. I will. Thank you again. Goodbye. Well, Archer, what do you think of her? Sweet. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy shadowing her. Okay, sucker. You call me if you run into any trouble. Hello? Yes, this is Spade. It's Lieutenant Dundee, Spade. What's on your mind, copper? Uh, Don't you mind be interested in knowing that your partner, Archer, was found in an alley near the St. Mark, shot through the heart from close range. Blast burnt his coat. Let me down for a look at him before he's moved? No. 
You've seen everything I could. His gun was tucked away on his hip. It hadn't been fired. His overcoat was buttoned. Was he working, Sam? Well? He was supposed to be tailing a fellow named Floyd Thursby. What for? Now, now, don't crowd me. I'll see you after I break the news to Archer's wife. I'll be there in a couple of hours. Copper, come on in. Break the news to Archer's wife, Sam? Uh-huh. What kind of a gun do you carry? None. I don't like them much. You don't just happen to have one on you. Search me. Turn the dump upside down if you want to. I won't squawk if you've got a search warrant. Why were you tailing Floyd Thursby, Sam? I wasn't. Archer was. For the swell reason that we had a client who was paying good money to have him tailed. Who's the client? Sorry, I can't tell you that. You didn't go to Archer's house to tell his wife. I called up and the girl from your office was there and she said you told her to go. What are you leading up to? Just this, Spade. Floyd Thursby was shot down in front of his hotel about a half an hour after I talked to you. Oh. I came into my apartment just a few minutes ahead of you. I was walking around thinking things over. I knew you weren't here. I tried to get you on the phone. Where'd you walk to? Just around. Thursby die? Yeah. How'd I kill him? I forget. He was shot four times in the back. Hotel people know anything about him? Nothing, except he'd been there a week. Alone? Alone. You find out who he was, what his game was? No, I thought you could tell me that. <laughs> I've never seen Thursby dead or alive. Now, look, Spade, you know me. If you did get Thursby, you'll get a square deal from me and most of the breaks. I don't know that I'd blame you a lot, man that kills your partner. But that wouldn't keep me from nailing you. That's fair enough. Now, would you mind scramming? I got some thinking to do, and I'd like to get a little sleep before daylight. Hello? Yeah, this is Sam Spade. Oh, I was just going to call you. Where are you? Well, the coronet on California Street, apartment 101. What's that? The name's Miss LeBlanc. Okay, I'll I'll be right out. Oh, good morning. Come in, Mr. Spade. Mr. Spade, I have a terrible, terrible confession to make. That uh, that story I told you yesterday was all just a story. <laughs> oh, that. Well, uh <laughs> We didn't exactly believe your story, Miss... Uh, is your name Wonderly or LeBlanc? It's really O'Shaughnessy, Bridget O'Shaughnessy. Oh. Well, Miss O'Shaughnessy, as I said, we, we didn't exactly believe your story. We believed your $200. Oh? Yes, you see, you paid us too much to be telling the truth. You knew that when you accepted the money? Oh, I suspected it. I was positive when Joel Cairo called on me. Joel Cairo? Yeah. Yeah, he seems interested in Floyd Thursby, too. What did he say? About what? About me? Nothing. Well, what did he talk about? Well, he offered me $5,000 for a black statuette of a bird. He was pretty sure I had it or knew where it was. Do you? Oh, I think I know someone who does, and $5,000 is a lot of money. Right now, the police are trying to find out who hired us to tail Floyd Thursby. Mr. Spade, do they know about me? 
No, I don't think they do. I've been able to stall them so far. Must they know about me at all, Mr. Spade? Couldn't you manage somehow to shield me from them? Maybe. But I'll have to know what it's all about. I can't tell you now. Later I will, when, when I can. You must trust me, Mr. Spade. Oh, I, I'm so alone and afraid. I've got nobody to help me if you won't help me. Be generous, Mr. Spade. You're strong. You're brave. You can spare me some of that strength and courage, surely. <laughs> Sister, you don't need much of anybody's help. You're good. Chiefly your eyes, I think, and that throb you get in your voice when you say things like, be generous, Mr. Spade. All right. I deserve that. But the lie was in the way I said it, and not at all in what I said. Ah, now you are dangerous. Still, Cairo offered me $5,000. It's far more than I could ever offer you if I must bid for your life. <laughs> yeah, that's good coming from you. Have you given me any of your confidence, any of the truth? I can't go ahead without more confidence in you than I have now. Can't you trust me just a little while? Well, how much is a little? And what are you waiting for? I must talk to Joe Cairo. Oh. Well, you can see him tonight. I know where to reach him. Oh, he can't come here. I can't let him know where I am. I'm, I'm afraid. Well, we'll all meet at my place, then. All right. I'm delighted to see you again, Mr. Shaughnessy. I was sure you would be, Joe. Mr. Spade told me about your offer for the Maltese Falcon. How soon can you have the money ready? Oh, it is ready. You are ready to give us $5,000 if we turn the Falcon over to you? I shall be able to give you the money as soon as uh, the bank opens in the morning. But I haven't got the Falcon. Then why did you send for me? Because I'll have it in another week. Yes? Where is it? Where Floyd hid it. Thursby? Of course. If you know where he hid it, why, why must we wait a week? And why are you willing to sell it to me? I'm afraid. After what happened to Floyd... I'm afraid to touch it except to turn it over to somebody else right away. Exactly what did happen to Floyd? The fat man. Gutman? Is he here? I don't know. I suppose so. Uh, if you two let me interrupt for a second, I can answer that. Gutman is here. How do you know? Because he called me and asked me to see him. Have you? Not yet. I thought that after our friend Cairo here left, I'd find out just how you and I stand before I took on any more clients. you. But you're such a liar. I am a liar. I've always been a liar. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't brag about it. Was there any truth at all in that yarn you were telling me about Thursby and the Falcon? Some. Not very much. Well, we've got all night before us. Oh, I'm, I'm so tired. So tired of lying and thinking up lies and not knowing what is a lie and what is the truth. I wish... Now, look, honey, I think I'd better have a talk with Gutman in the morning. Now, Mr. Gutman, shall we talk about the falcon? <laughs> oh, by all means, Mr. Spade, but first, sir, answer me a question. 
Are you here as Miss O'Shaughnessy's representative? Well, there's nothing certain about it either way yet. It depends. Maybe it depends on Joel Cairo? Maybe. The question then, Mr. Spade, is which you'll represent. It'll be Miss O'Shaughnessy or Mr. Cairo. I didn't say so. Who else is there? There's me. <laughs> oh, well, that's wonderful, sir, wonderful. I do like a man who tells you right out he's looking out for himself. Don't we all? Uh-huh. Now let's talk about the blackbird. Let's, Mr. Spade. Have you any conception of how much money can be got out of that blackbird? No, but you just tell me what it is, and I'll figure out the profits. You mean you don't know what that bird is? Well, I know it's black enamel and about a foot high, and I know the value in human life you people put on it. Mr. O'Shaughnessy didn't tell you what it is? He offered and me Cairo ten... didn't either? He offered me 10000 for it. Do either of them know what that bird is, sir? What is your impression? Well, there's not much to go by, but uh, well, I don't think so. If they don't know, I'm the only one in the whole wide sweet world who does. Good. And when you tell me, there'll be two of us. <laughs> Mathematically correct, sir. But I don't know for certain that I'm going to tell you. Well, you think again and think fast. You'll do your talking today or you're through. What are you wasting my time for? I can get along without you. That remains to be seen, Mr. Spade. They're away. And there's another thing. Keep that gunman of yours away from me while you're making up your mind or I'll kill him. <laughs> Well, sir, I must say you have a very violent temper. Take it over. You've got till 5.30. Then you're either in or out for keeps. Wilma. I'm going to kill that guy. I could have done it easy when he was standing there with his back to me. Of course you could, my boy. But business before pleasure. And we'll be seeing Mr. Spade again before was Act One of The Maltese Falcon, starring Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, Sidney Greenstreet, and Peter Lorre. They'll be back again in just a few minutes with the second act. But right now, it's intermission time and headline time in the Frontline Theater. Paul Whiteman and his orchestra are taking their places on our stage. They're going to play a number for you they introduced way back in the 1920s. It was a tremendous hit at their first performance, and since then, it has become famous throughout the world. George Gershwin wrote it, the Rhapsody in Blue. So let's listen now to the original Paul Whiteman interpretation featuring Roy Bargy at the piano. George Gershwin's masterpiece, The Rhapsody in Blue. Thank you. 
Thank you, Paul Whiteman, and thanks to all the men in your orchestra, especially Roy Bargie for that swell job on the piano. And now the curtain rises on the second act of The Maltese Falcon, starring Humphrey Bogart as Sam Spade, Mary Astor as Bridget O'Shaughnessy, Sidney Greenstreet as Casper Gutman, the fat man, and Peter Laurie as Joel Cairo. Late in the afternoon, following Sam Spade's visit to Gutman's apartment, a dying man staggered into Spade's office and collapsed on the floor. He died before he could speak to Detective Spade, but his papers identified him as Captain Rockaby of the steamship La Paloma, and clasped to his bullet-torn chest was the Maltese Falcon. After depositing the Falcon in a railroad station check room and mailing the identification check to his private post office box, Sam met Bridget O'Shaughnessy and took her to his apartment. You know, Sam, I never would have placed myself in this position if I hadn't trusted you completely. Oh, that again. But you know that's so. Uh, you don't have to trust me as long as you can persuade me to trust you. But, Sam, darling... Oh, well, I think we'd better let it go at that until we see what happens after Gutman gets here. The fat man? Here? Certainly, why not? Uh, anyway, that should be him. So it's too late to change our plans. I'll be right back. Oh, hello, Gutman. Good evening, sir. I see you brought company. I can understand the gunman, but I didn't know Cairo was a friend of yours. <laughs> we're old acquaintances. Now that we're all here, let's go in and sit down and be comfortable and talk. Oh, sure. Come on in. Now, look, Angel. Gutman brought a couple of friends along. Good evening, Mr. Shaughnessy. Hello, Joe. You look unusually charming this evening, my dear. Thanks. The uh, gunsel doesn't talk, Angel. Get away from me, punk. Stand still and shut up. Listen, you're not going to frisk me, touch me, and I'm going to make you use that gun. Ask your boss if he wants me shut up before we talk. Never mind, Wilma. <laughs> you're certainly a most headstrong and unpredictable individual, Mr. Spade. Now, why did you send for me? You ready to make the first payment and take the falcon off my hands? The falcon? That's right, Angel. I've got it. Well, sir, I have in this envelope $10,000. $10,000? Oh, we were talking about more money than that. Yes, sir, we were, but there are more of us to be taken care of now. <laughs> well, that may be, but I've got the falcon. I shouldn't think it would be necessary to remind you, Mr. Spade, that uh, though you may have the falcon, yet we certainly have you. Yes, I'm trying not to let that worry me, but uh, let the money wait. There's another thing to be taken care of first. We've got to have a fall guy. I beg your pardon? Police have got to have a victim, somebody they can stick for those three murders. Two, two. Only two murders, Mr. Spade. Thursby undoubtedly killed your partner. All right, all right, two then. Now, the point I've got to give the police, a victim when the time comes. If I don't, I'll be it. Uh, let's give him, uh, let's give him Wilmer here. Why, you dirty He rat. actually did shoot Thursby and Jacoby, didn't he? Anyway, he's made to order for the part. Let's turn him over to them. <laughs> By God, so you are a character, that you are. <laughs> There's ever, never any telling what you'll say or do next, except that it's bound to be something astonishing. Well, it's our best bet. With him in their hands, the police will forget the rest of us. Your plan is not at all practical, sir. Let's not say anything more about it. All right. I have another suggestion. Let's give him Cairo. Well, by God, sir. Well, suppose we give him you, Mr. Spade, or, or Mr. Shaughnessy. How about that, huh? Sam, you wouldn't. You people want the fork, and I've got it. The fall guy is part of the price I'm insisting on. You seem to forget you're not in a position to insist on anything. No? If you kill me, how are you going to get the falcon? Thank you, sir. You are a character. <laughs> well? Well, what else can I do? I'm sorry, Wilma. Terribly sorry. I want you to know that I couldn't be any fonder of you if you were my own son. But, well, if you lose a son, it's possible to get another. 
And there's only one Maltese falcon. You rat, I'll kill you for this. Thank you, Mr. Spade. When you're as young as Wilma, one simply doesn't understand these things. <laughs> now, how about some coffee, Bridget? Put the pot on, will you? I don't like to leave my guests. Surely. Anything to get out of you. Now, sir, let's get down to business. I ought to have more than 10000 Of course, sir, you understand this is the first payment. You still don't understand the falcon's worth. Well, a black enamel bird can't be worth millions. But it is. Otherwise, I should not have spent 17 years of my life trying to uh, acquire it. The black enamel you refer to, sir, is merely camouflage, covering a solid gold bird encrusted from head to foot with the finest jewels. Okay. So I get millions later. How's about 15000 now? Frankly and candidly, and on my word of honor as a gentleman, 10000 I gave you is all the money I can raise right now. Yeah, but you didn't say positively. <laughs> positively. <laughs> well, if that's the best you can do, it's the best you can do. But it's understood the punk has to stand as the fall guide. That is part of our agreement, sir. Okay, I'll make a phone call. The falcon will be here in an hour. <laughs> not the Maltese falcon. This is a lead imitation covered with the same enamel. See where I've shaved it off with a knife lead. Pure lead. You bungled it. You got me. You and your stupid attempt to buy it from the Russian who owned it. He caught on to how valuable it was. No wonder we had so little trouble stealing it. You, you imbecile. You, you bloated idiot. Well, sir, what do you suggest? Shall we stand here and shed tears and call each other names? Hmm. Or shall we pay the Russian another call in Istanbul? Uh, are you going? Seventeen years I've wanted that little item, and I intend to get it. Another year? Well, sir, that will be an additional expenditure of time on only five and fifteen seventeenths percent. <laughs> I go with you. Good. And Wilma. Wilma, where? Where is the boy? He must have had made his getaway while we were unwrapping the fog. A swell lot of thieves. Well, sir? I left to ask you to return my 10000 I held up my end. It's your hard luck, not mine, if you didn't get what you wanted. I'm sorry, but I must insist. Oh, a hideout gun, huh? Okay. Thank you, sir. The shortest farewells are the best. Adieu. And to you, Miss O'Shaughnessy, I leave the fake falcon, falcon as a little memento. <laughs> Come, sir. Hello, police department. Lieutenant Dundee there, put him on. Tell him Sam Spade's calling. Now look, Angel. Gutman and Cairo will talk when the cops nail them about us. We've only got minutes to get set for the police. Now give me your whole story fast. Well, where... Where shall I begin? Uh, the day you first came to my office... Why did you want Thursby shadowed? I, I suspected him of betraying me to Gutman, and I wanted to find That's out. That's a lie. Gutman tried to make a deal with him. You had Thursby hooked, and you knew it. You wanted to get him out of the way before Captain Jacoby arrived with the falcon. Isn't that so? What was your scheme? I thought if he saw someone following him, he might be frightened into going away. Now look, Archer hadn't many brains, but he wasn't clumsy enough to be spotted the first night. You must have told Thursby he was being followed. I told him. Yes. But please believe me, Sam. I wouldn't have told him if I'd thought Floyd would kill him. If you thought he wouldn't kill Archie, you were right, Angel. 
didn't he? Arch had been a detective too long to be caught shadowing a man up a blind alley with his gun tucked away in his hip and his overcoat button. But he'd have gone up there with you, Angel. He was just dumb enough for that. And then you could have stood as close to him as you like there in the dark. Put a hole through him with a gun you'd gotten from Thursby that evening. Don't, don't talk to me like that, Sam. You know I didn't... Now, the police will be blowing in any minute now, Angel. Talk. Oh, why do you accuse me of such a terrible... Why did you shoot Archer? I thought Thursby would tackle him and one or the other would go down. If Thursby was killed, then you were rid of him. If it was Archer, then you could see that Thursby was caught. Was that it? Something. And when you find out that that Thursby didn't mean to tackle Archer, you borrowed the gun and did it yourself, right? I guess so. I know so. You didn't know Gutman was here looking for you until you learned Thursby was shot. Then you needed another protector. So you came back to me. Yes, but... Oh, sweetheart, it wasn't only that. I, I would have come back to you sooner or later. From the very first instant I saw you, I knew this. Oh, you angel. Well, if you get a good break, you'll be out of San Quentin in 20 years. Sam, you're not... Yes, angel. I'm going to send you over. But if they hang you, I'll always remember you. Don't, Sam. Don't say that. Even in fun. It's not fun. I happen to be in the detective business, and you killed my partner. Bad business to let the killer get away with it. Bad for every detective in this country. You're taking the fall. You've been playing with me, only pretending you cared to trap me like this. You didn't care at all. You don't love me. Uh, I... I think I do. What of it? I won't play the sap for you. No, it's not like that. You can't say that. I am saying it. You know down deep in your heart, you know that in spite of everything I've done, I love you. I don't care who loves who. You killed Archer. You're going over for it. Come in. Oh, hello, copper. Hello, Sam. You get Gutman and Cairo? We got Cairo. Gutman's dead. The kid Wilmer had just finished shooting him when we got there. I ought to have expected that. You better put the cuffs on Angel, Copper. We're taking her down to the station. What charge? Damn. Murder. He shot Miles Archer. Oh, and you better bring that blackbird along, too, Copper. It's part of the evidence against Cairo. Hey, this is heavy. What's it made of? The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. <laughs> The curtain has fallen on today's frontline theater play, The Maltese Falcon, starring Humphrey Bogart, Mary Astor, Sidney Greenstreet, and Peter Lorre. But there are more plays coming, radio versions of smash hit comedies, dramas, musicals, and mysteries, and with the top stars of stage and screen to appear in them. So keep on listening, won't you? This Frontline Theater play was presented especially for you men in the armed forces of the United Nations by the Special Service Division of the War Department of the United States of America.
sustain the wings. Sustain the Wings. The Army Air Force's Training Command presents the band of the Training Command under the direction of Captain Glenn Miller with Corporal Ray McKinley at the drums and the story of Johnny the Kid Next Door. And now, Captain Glenn Miller. Thank you, Lieutenant Don Briggs. Good evening, everybody. Tonight, the words and music pay tribute to the Army Air Force's Training Command boys stationed up at Pratt & Whitney Engine School, Hartford, Connecticut. So, here's to you fellas, and we're off with a tune that should be plenty rugged. I hear you screaming. Folks, the serenade for the mothers, wives, and sweethearts of the officers and enlisted men at the Pratt and Whitney Engine Training School. 
Here's something old, something new, something barred, something blue. The old tune, In the Gloaming. new PFC Johnny Desmond sings for the first time I'm falling in love and in no time at all this And Benny Goodman, we borrow stomping at the Savoy. 
medley something bluer than blue, deep purple. That's all of them. The last of a squadron of 20 marked marauders off on a mission over occupied France. Power to their destination by plenty of horsepower. Horsepower packed into the precision smooth walls of a modern aircraft engine. Those engines are kept running by those men you see standing around the fields and hangars. Yeah, yeah, those, those men over there. Those soldiers in coveralls with the grease-stained faces and weary eyes watching anxiously after the planes, their planes, as they disappear toward the coast of France. Those men of the ground crew, like the one in the leather jacket coming this way. That, that one right over there. He's probably on his way to grab a little shut-eye. I heard that, mister. Yeah, but you got me wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to hit the hay, because my job's never done. Goes on 24 hours, around the clock. And the hardest part of it's right now, when the planes are on their way. Waiting, just waiting for them to come back. <laughs> sure, I could lie down and try to get a little rest, but I couldn't sleep. I, I'd be thinking about those planes and the trouble they might run into. I'd still be wondering if those engines we've been checking and adjusting and nursing are perking the way they should. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not sentimental, mister, but the engines I checked have got to take those guys over and bring them back. Maybe I'm just a worrier, but with a responsibility like that on your mind, there's not much use of a squadron engineering officer trying to sleep. Uh, excuse me, Lieutenant, yeah? but the ignition on the R-2800 is snafu'd. Mind taking a look at it? Yeah, I'll be right with you, Sergeant. Okay, sir. You see what I mean, mister? Stick around. I'll be back in a minute. These jobs can't wait. There he goes. Johnny Engine Specialist. The guy that's got to know all the answers. He's engineering officer for one of the many squadrons of the 8th Air Force Station in England. He keeps the engines running. 
He got his know-how at the AAF Engine Training School at the Pratt & Whitney plant in East Hartford, Connecticut. And they really taught him the answers. You know, uh, you've met Johnny before. He's Johnny, the kid next door. That solemn-faced youngster that always took life so seriously. Well, he still takes things seriously. Like those 20 Martin Marauders that took off at 9 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock now. And Johnny's been thinking about them every minute. They should be at the rendezvous point right now. Uh, Twelve might be a little behind the others. Her right engine was overheating the other day. Ah, no, no, no. We checked through and found that trouble. It's all taken care of. Eleven o'clock. They're on schedule. They're at the target. Ready for that ride over the hot spot. Yeah, number nine's carburetors weren't flowing just right. They should choke up on the bombing run, it'd be... Ah, what's eating me? We had those carburetors on the flow bench, and they were 100% okay when we got through. Twelve o'clock. Yeah, they shut me on the way back now. Yeah, I bet they got a flock ME-109s on their tail. Yeah, but there's nothing to worry about. Our boys can fly circles around those jerrys. Unless maybe... Number four's engines are out of time. They weren't quite right yesterday. But I went all over the ignition and timing and had those engines running smooth as silk. One o'clock. Hey, mister, mister, you seen anything of those B-26s yet? No, no. Uh, are they due? They're overdue. Believe me, mister, it's plenty tough waiting for those planes to get back. I've babied those engines along. I've taken them apart and put them back together again. I know every one of their 10,000-odd parts and can tell you if there's anything wrong with them. I've learned to love those engines like they were human. They're almost part of me. I know they're okay, but it kind of gets you just standing here waiting, wondering if those planes and their crews are going to make it back here to the field, and knowing all the time there's nothing I can do to hurry them up. Sort of like being on a... Hey, here comes something. Oh, uh, yeah, those are P-38s. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Our babies are right behind them. Yeah, there's number one. Hey, look at them come. Number two. There's three. Four. Five. Twenty planes took off on that mission, and only seventeen came back. Three of our aircraft are missing. Yeah, three of our planes are missing. Wonder what happened. The engines? Oh no, no, no! Those engines were okay. I checked every one of them myself. I got to stop worrying. I can't wish them wrong. I, I, I look, look! They're coming in, Mister. They're coming in. That's number 18. 19. 20. Eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. The three missing planes. They're, they're flying low, limping a little, but their engines are bringing them safely home again. Yeah, safely home again. 
I, it's a prayer answered by the safe return of our planes and their crews. And the reward? Well, I, I get my payoff just in knowing that I'm doing my job down here, backing up those guys who are doing their job up there. And as long as there's a need for planes to fly, to blast the Nazis from the face of the earth, I, I promise, I promise you, we'll be on the job making sure those engines are operating because we know they'll furnish the power to speed us on the flight to victory. Special orders read, go west, young man. So PFC Johnny Desmond hitches a ride with the band and sings Santa Fe Trail.
You know, no one has to tell any of us to help win this war. We all want to help, every one of us. But I can tell you how you can help. I'm speaking now especially to you women who may be listening. You can help and help a lot by serving your country in the Women's Army Corps. Today in the AAF, thousands of airwacks are working as clerks, stenographers, control tower operators, photographic technicians, link trainer instructors. Well, that's to mention only a few of their many vital services. They're doing a tremendous job, these airwacks, but they need your help. The help of every woman eligible to join them. So how about lending them a hand? Over a hundred trained, specialized jobs await your choice in either the air, ground, or service forces. Visit the nearest WAC encampment and get a personal picture of the interesting life they lead and the useful work they do. Then call at any WAC recruiting station and talk to the WAC officer there. If you're not engaged in essential war work, enlist now as an air WAC and help keep them flying. And now here's Captain Miller. Thank you, Corporal. There isn't much left to say or play about the music from Oklahoma. However, Private Jerry Gray has a few new ideas on the subject, and he gets them off his chest in an all-out arrangement of, Oh, what a beautiful morning.
marching through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright. Oh, what fun it is to sing the sleighing song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells,
speaking for the band of the training command. Thanks to all of you for listening and for your swell letters. You guys and gals in the service, let us know your favorite tunes because this program is dedicated to you. I Sustain the Wings has presented the band of the AAF Training Command. Next Saturday on Christmas, I Sustain the Wings will be heard from Halloran Army Hospital, Staten Island, New York, where we'll be playing for some of the boys who are sitting this one out away from home. So tune in same time, same station. that Northern England has been mentioned in these reports since the flying bomb attack started last June. Major Glenn Miller, the well-known American band leader, is reported missing. He left England by air for Paris nine days ago. Major Glenn Miller came over from the States early this year to direct the American band of the AEF, which has often been heard playing in the Allied Expeditionary Forces program of the BBC. I have no wish to conceal the seriousness of our task. Much hard fighting and hard marching lies before us. We're a long way yet in the end, and Japan is still strong and aggressive. But we hold the initiative, and the end is sure. Already, more and better ENTER and USO entertainments are on the way. More movie projectors and films will arrive. More and better cigarettes will be available. And last but not least, beer. We were never really the forgotten front, though it may have seemed to be so. From now on, I can assure you that we shall be more and more in the thoughts of those at home who realize fully what we are doing and what we are achieving. Thanks for <clears throat> thanks for joining us for 1001 Radio Days. If you have any favorite shows from the past that you'd like to hear, please do email me at 1001storiespodcast at gmail.com or send a review through your host mentioning shows you'd like to hear. Thanks for joining us. We release new episodes every Sunday at noon Eastern Time and Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, just like we do with the old radio days. Until our next show, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.